Shelby and Matt. You finally did it, Shelby. After all this time, you got me to go back and do a throwback episode. I know. I was so shocked that you would even consider this. I threw that out as a as a joke text, but then you were like, okay. And I was like, yes, this is my childhood. Like, this is... The this is Brandy Cinderella. That's how we always the black Cinderella. It's like Roger and Hammerstein Cinderella, Cinderella. And this is like we would rent this all the time on VHS and just watch it and um, love it. And I sing it often enough that when the when we watched it this really? week, my husband was like, "Oh, that's what this is from." You know, like if someone says, "Oh, that's impossible," then I just break into the <laughs> a little mm. little line okay. of the song. Okay, okay, that's interesting. Or, I'll, I'll or when I'm holding my that. baby, I'm like, "Do I love you because you're wonderful, or are you wonderful because I love you?" And that's her little, that's her nursery song. So huh, it has okay. been a part of my life. <laughs> interesting. Um, I live in a state of. <laughs> of like basic fear of Shelby and I feel like there's only so long I can you know get her to do certain things and then she'll like (laughs) sort of erupt and so I'm like okay we gotta we gotta like let her if she wants to do this we gotta do this movie that will like buy me a couple weeks of something else later on on the road (laughs) so and honestly the other option was Judas and the Black Messiah which is a great movie and we Mm -hmm. talked about briefly Mm -hmm. on our last episode but I felt like that this could probably have more mass appeal and mm. would have more to discuss our and, audience yeah yes and also it just came out on disney plus after not being Huge available news. to watch yes. for a long time so i felt like it was newsworthy enough it wasn't like we were just going back to talk about jurassic park because <laughs> shelby wants to talk about jurassic park though like this is a news a good item. episode people would, would enjoy though? that I don't know. I'll do an Instagram poll and we'll see. I don't trust your Instagram polls, Shelby. (laughs) I do not trust them. Okay. Well, they voted you cutest baby, but if you think that's a lie, then. I mean, I know that I'm the cutest. Well, that's, you couldn't deny it. The pictures were there. (laughs) No, but yeah, this was exciting to me because like I said, I've seen it a lot, but in my adulthood, it it. it failed, you know, it disappeared. I I had no access Mm -hmm. to it, no access point. It wasn't on Spotify. It wasn't on any streaming services. And then you shared that you'd never seen it. (laughs) What? Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this numerous times on the podcast and how I had no older siblings. And so so there was... 60 million people watched this. Well, well, right. But it's like, I... This came out, what, in 1997, I mm-hmm. think? Is that the year? So I would have mm-hmm. been six. So I was probably, I mean, I, don't, I, I guess maybe I would have been fine to watch it. But I think my parents, like my parents weren't watching this movie. Right. And I was probably too young to watch it like when it came out initially or at least have any of like of my own, you know, like to decide that I right. wanted to watch it separate of them. And I think probably also because I was a boy and then I had two younger brothers that it just sort of never appeared in the rotation. We didn't have a copy of it at our house. Like, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, none of the neighbors who we borrowed VHSs from had it. Shame, yeah. So I just, I never, I never watched it. And then I never sought it out. And like you said, it wasn't really available on things. So I had, I mean, I obviously knew about it. Okay. I have seen the VHS box, like in oh. video rental stores and stuff. I knew that there was a version of Cinderella that had Brandy in it. But also, quite frankly, I did not care at all for the normal Cinderella by Disney, the animated yeah. version that came out in, I can't even remember what year that was, but <laughs> like in the 50s sometimes. Yeah. But so I had seen that. We did have that on VHS just because we had like almost all of the Disney movies. Right. And that story never really like had anything <laughs> that appealing to me in it. And so I think that I just never like I was there was never a reason for me to go out of my way to watch another version of Cinderella, even if I did like Brandy or Whitney Houston, which honestly, I didn't really have very many cultural touchstones for them either. I texted you while I was watching. The only thing I know about Brandy is that she sang that song right here, Departed in like 2008 and at that point she it was sort of like it's a comeback and that song was popular but then no other song was popular and i didn't know any of their other songs prior to that so in my mind brandy has one song and then now she also has this movie (laughs) so i mean uh right off the bat what did you think of it um (laughs) i i i have a lot of different thoughts on it like overall i think it was 
fun and sort of fine. And I could see how if I had watched this a lot as a kid, there would be a lot of appeal to it. I think it's one of those kids movies that like if you watch it as a child, you love it so much and have so much nostalgia for it and think it's (laughs) amazing. And if you come to it as an adult there, it's sort of like, oh, this is sort of cute. But like, I wouldn't necessarily need to watch it again. That's how I felt when I watched The Princess Bride for the first time. I was sort of like, (laughs) oh, okay, But like, but I can understand how if you were seven and watching it and having the guy be like marriage that you'd be like oh my gosh this is the highest comedy i've ever seen right yeah no there's definitely i mean i was excited for this to be released we my sister and i made it david like we planned to watch this we were excited to revisit this and the incident like starts and it's in the like full square because it was made for television when they were squares like it was just like wow nothing makes you feel older than watching something you loved as a kid and just tearing it apart but like with love in your heart but like also oh, you were tearing that, it apart i mean there you was didn't like, like a, it on the go round like pullback where there was clearly like a painted landscape and it was just like little things that you don't notice as a child that is just like funny to picture now as, and this is a huge deal when it happened in 1997 like this was a huge financial commitment from abc like this was the most expensive TV movie ever made at the time. And it had all these stars attached who were huge stars, even, you know, especially then um, you have Whitney Houston, obviously as the fairy godmother, Whoopi Goldberg as the queen, Victor Garber as King, as the King. And, you know, he was right off Titanic. Like he's a big deal. He was on Annie. Like there was stuff. Bernadette Peters. Um, and Jason then, Alexander, I yeah, feel like Jason is the big Alexander. name because he because this is like height of Seinfeld, <laughs> yeah, and he's so not he even he's not even like a he's like the <laughs> servant or whatever you know he's yeah, not even a castle. character that's well known. It was wild to watch it again and to playfully rib it. It was you know the graphics are bad. There's a lot of swirling glitter motif um the you know the set was clearly just a set it was it. All of it was just like something that wouldn't pass by today's standards, but there was something um, See, sweet about it then. I really, I, I liked the set. <laughs> I thought the sets were fun. I liked the costumes, which are all these sort of like wild, bright, colorful things. Yes. Um, I mean, the movie did seem sort of like a little low budget in comparison to something like, you know, like these live action Disney movies that we're seeing now. Yeah. But I thought there was a lot of charm to it. Honestly, the thing that, I was least enthused about was the music in it. And I <laughs> yeah. guess I had never really put this together in my mind. Like, cause I knew that this was Roger and Hammerstein Cinderella, but for some reason or another, because Whitney Houston and Brandy are in it, I assumed that the music would be like more fun, <laughs> but no, it's like old music that was originally written for a 1957 film version of this with Julie Andrews. And so for me, none of the songs were doing anything. And it was sort of like when we talked about Mary Poppins returns where it's like, they went in my one year and out the other. Like I could not, if you played one of those songs for me now, I could not tell you whether or not it was in this film. And I watched the movie two days ago. No, I mean, it is, it's an interesting musical by itself. Like you said, it was originally written in 1957 as a CBS like movie, a TV movie starring Julie Andrews. It was written for Julie Andrews. And it has that very like old school musical feel to it where yeah, the songs the songs just aren't like <laughs> They're not catchy. Yeah. (laughs) There's not like the Broadway energy you get to like the rise and fall of defying gravity. Like this is just, it's meant to move forward in the plot with none of the emotional (laughs) Well, Rogers and Hammerstein wrote Oklahoma. They wrote The King and I. They wrote Sound of Music. So they're definitely capable of writing songs that are more sticky. Mm -hmm. But these were not. And and the songs feel very out of place, (laughs) I felt like, in this movie where you have these 90s pop stars and a lot of big personality and a lot of color. And there's some dance sequences. There's like a lot of energy I think here and then the songs feel like the lowest energy parts of the show (laughs) where I feel like in general you want the songs to be the highest energy parts of the movie yeah I mean what's interesting about this is that Whitney Houston was basically she's like I want to do a black Cinderella I want to do a multicultural Cinderella and so she was brought on as a producer and um 
Well, she wanted to be Cinderella at first, and then it yeah. took so long to get it off the ground that she was <laughs> yeah. like, eh, maybe I'm too old. I better be the fairy yeah, godmother. Exactly. But it was sort of like this weird story of how it all came together, because the producers had just done Gypsy as a movie musical for TV, and then decided to kind of step into making this multicultural Cinderella with Whitney Houston. Roger and Hammerstein was like, yes, let's do it. And then what happened is that the head of Disney at the time was like, I want to resurrect the wonderful world of Disney, but I need to launch it with some, some movie, some big event. And so they pitched this idea and he signed off on it. He was like, yes, this is a big deal. Let's do it. And then it took about four years to get made because there was just so many rewrites. Um, there was some pushback about maybe it was too multicultural. Like they wanted Jewel to be Cinderella, yes. which would have been just not as iconic, obviously. And also just Brandy brings such a unique flair to this role. Um, and so anyways, it took forever to get made. Like you said, Houston went from Cinderella to being fairy godmother. And she was like, I want you to cast Brandy, who is an up and coming star at the time. And, um, and so they got on board and then it was just a matter of casting this, this wild, totally illogical <laughs> colorblind cast where you have a black and white couple who have a Asian son and you have a white mom who has a black and white daughter and it's just like it was across the board just like bonkers but it was intentionally wild enough that no one could like question it it was like they just wanted it to be colorblind it wasn't like oh let's have a black cinderella who has a black family who dates a black prince it was very much we just want to have a bunch of color like multicultural people on the screen and we don't care how it happens but it's going to just be colorblind across the board to the point where there's a scene where he's looking for the princess after the ball and he's checking the shoes on white people which is like you know you would know that the girl you dance with is black so there's definitely some of that superhero (laughs) stuff where you're just like supposed to believe that there would be no way that you would know who this person was because they put their glasses on i loved it i guess going into this movie i i mean i obviously knew the brandy and winnie houston were in it I did not really realize I didn't know any of the other cast members and also I didn't really realize how like diverse yeah. it was <laughs> and so I thought oh well maybe like it's just everybody's black and then I started to watch it and one of the first scenes is Moesha's there or not Moesha that's the show um Brandy's <laughs> there and yeah. Bernadette Peters comes in and I was like oh this is going to be like she's the servant because she's black and it's going to be that kind of thing. But then one of the stepsisters is black too. So you're like, okay, well, no, never mind. So I thought it was really cool and fun and interesting. And I love that they did this and it's so exciting. And it's, you get to see all of these fun people act together and, and it does, you very quickly just, you know, get used to it. And it doesn't, yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter at all. But what I thought was so interesting is like, okay, so this is 19, what 97 that this mm-hmm. comes out and i was thinking to myself like wow this was progressive for the time because yeah. it feels like that i haven't really seen very many other people do this but there had to be other examples so i clicked on the on the wikipedia article for colorblind casting i don't know if you did this as <laughs> nice. well and it just gives you this list of all of these movies that quote unquote have colorblind casting and the vast majority of them are like books where somebody in the book <laughs> is a white person and then they're played by someone who's not white in the movie. <gasps> yeah, so like Shawshank Redemption, I guess the Morgan Freeman character in the short story mm-hmm. is an Irish man and then he's played by Morgan Freeman. So that's the vast majority of them. And so then you get, and they're in chronological order. So then you get to this movie and it's like, they paid no attention to race whatsoever. Like anybody can cast any role. And yeah. you think like, oh, okay, well this did so well. They must have, like people must have kept doing this, like nothing that I'm coming thinking about, but there must've been movies that did this. No, like you go scroll down the list. There's not a B movie. There's not anything that's doing this until you get to 2005 when Grey's Anatomy did it. (laughs) Even there, it's not the quite the same as this because they were just like all of the cast member or all of the roles didn't have a race assigned to them. So anybody of any race could apply. 
but those are all people working together. They're not like family members. And then after that, you still don't really see very much of this happen again until you get to Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is the big thing that sort of blew this open where you have all of these founding fathers played by people who aren't white. Mm -hmm. And now that sort of seems like obvious and we take it for granted because we're so used to Hamilton and Hamilton is such a big thing. But you do have to think back to that was like the news story surrounding Hamilton when Hamilton came out. And now obviously you have Bridgerton and, you know, there's other properties that are doing this and it's sort of becoming a little bit more normal, although still not as normal as it should be. But it's crazy to think that they did this in 1997. Like it's just so ahead of its time and wonderful. Yeah. And I was trying to like look back and see the, reaction to this and obviously it was a different time in that not everyone had a twitter platform and there wasn't like the world wide web for people to write horrible reviews or to make campaigns saying like cinderella wasn't black (laughs) so there might have been a fervor behind it and obviously a lot of these um producers were like yeah some disney execs were a little worried about it but you compare this to the backlash that the little mermaid faced for casting um a black uh, Ariel, and it's like wild how how loud people were about what <laughs> Ariel's what, <laughs> and it's just like I feel like this is a good reminder that yeah, this has been done before. Like obviously, this wasn't. I mean, I don't know. People are like, oh well, Ariel is a remake of a movie where Ariel is white. Ergo, you have removed a person, <laughs> a white person's chance of playing Ariel. But it's like. I just feel like this this movie should prove that that like it was successful then. Hamilton has proved it can be successful now. Like it's not a big deal to do a colorblind casting because it's just like it's just it's just the the fervor people have brought yeah. to these to these um progressive Disney movies being like, "Oh, here's a black princess." It's like, "Why are we complaining about this now?" I mean, the same thing happened when they recast Hermione in the play yeah. as a black person, and I wonder if some of it is the 24-hour news cycle of it all in that you can go on Twitter and stuff and you can see that. I wonder if in 1997, when they're making this movie, like, obviously some industry people in Hollywood know that it's going on, but, like, you you can't go on IMDb and see who's going to be in which movie. Like you have no idea that this movie is even happening until it is made and there are commercials for it. And also I think, so at that point it's like, Oh, there's, there's less, I'm sure there was controversy, but there's like less room for thinking that something that you say is going to change anything because Mm -hmm. it's already done. And it's like, Oh, the movie's coming out on Tuesday. So like, are we going to watch it or are we not going to watch it? And I also wonder if, because Cinderella is such like an old property and has been done so many times in so many different ways. I mean, not that the little mermaid hasn't, but like that there's let people are less precious about her. They're sort of like, Oh yeah, do Cinderella however you want to, because (laughs) it's, it feels like one of those stories where it's just been done so many times. I don't know if that factored in at all. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I'm sure that it's just a combination of things that's hard to kind of pin down why there wasn't necessarily a backlash to this in the same way we see nowadays. But at the time, there was a huge support from, I mean, 60 million people watched this. Like it was a huge success, arguably. And it became a a huge point for people of color to see a black Cinderella. And that's sort of what it's referred to. Like people who were excited about the release coming out now. Um, we're talking about how much it meant growing up with this Black Cinderella. And I think that, too, makes this such an interesting cultural milestone because, I mean, yeah, this was like the first <laughs> Black princess, I think, in my in my quick Wikipedia search. Like, I don't think there had ever been a bigger, a big sort of to-do like this, except you have, like, The Wiz, which is a purposely um, Black story. And then you have to wait until princess tiana of an animated disney movie in the i don't remember 2016 2015 and so it's like this was a big moment for us 90s kids like for representation i guess like i think that's been interesting to revisit is seeing how having this uh this multicultural cinderella excited and and uh, inspired people of an entire generation like to grow up with that 
I'm sure a lot of it was also the fact that Whitney Houston and Whoopi Goldberg are mm-hmm. both in this movie. And they were so popular at this time. Yeah. Not just to black audiences, but to white audiences. Mm-hmm. And I think that they had been in a lot of projects that had appealed to a broader demographic so that when they are attached to this, there's a lot of oomph behind it. And people are like, oh, well, I loved the sister act or I loved the bodyguard. So I'm right. going to... <laughs> I think, yeah, I think I think that with like The Little Mermaid and some of these other projects, maybe because it's somebody who is less well known, people are there's more pushback where because everyone loves Whitney Houston so much, there is less like people are less likely to go out and, you know, start picketing against her. But I don't know. It's (laughs) very interesting. I know. Um, Um, But as I was rewatching, I was curious, you know, like you said, there's been a lot of Cinderella. So how did this version of Cinderella um, do it for you? (laughs) Well, yes. So I was I was thinking about the same thing. And I kind of like went through the different versions of Cinderella that I had in my mind, Mm because there's obviously the Disney one from 1950. There's the Disney remake, which I never saw, but I know that you really like in 2015. But then Cinderella also pops up like Ella Enchanted is basically a Cinderella story. Um, Mm -hmm. Cinder that book by Marissa Meyer is like a version of it Mm -hmm. into the woods is Cinderella there's ever after there's a Cinderella Mm -hmm. story with Hilary Duff so it's like Mm -hmm. there is a lot of takes on it and something that I thought was interesting and I sort of just stumbled on completely separately of this is that I was listening to an interview that Emerald Fennell was doing Mm -hmm. and she's the director of promising young woman and i guess she is working with andrew lloyd weber right now on a musical version of cinderella that will be premiering in the west end in 2021 Hmm. and in this interview she was talking about how how andrew lloyd weber wanted to do cinderella and has wanted to do that for a long time but it's really hard to do cinderella because she as a character there's so little to her and she has so little agency in the yeah. film you know it's like basically she just wants to go to a ball which she can't and then somebody makes her look beautiful she shows up to the ball someone falls in love with her she yeah. leaves the ball and then some people are going around looking for her and th- how that story is really kind of boring even though it has <laughs> and this problematic fun, yeah yeah even though it has this fun like rags to richesy kind of twist to it and you can see how that part appeals and I think that having listened to that interview and then watched this that really stood out to me in just how dull the Cinderella (laughs) parts of this are and I felt like the things that were the most interesting about this movie were sort of all of the little pieces that were surrounding it were the stepsisters were the Jason Alexander as the servant was the big dance number with the prince the whole the like actual plot line of Cinderella I did not feel was that exciting and I think that something like Ella Enchanted which really like boosts that up quite a bit and gives uh, Cinderella a lot more personality and a lot more to do right. is a funner <laughs> kind of movie or book or more interesting yeah. at least so i don't know i didn't it wasn't it wasn't that i hated this and i think that there was a lot of fun things to it but i did not feel like as a cinderella story this was super compelling in a way that i that others aren't yeah you know? i mean i feel like rewatching this i was struck by how green brandy was in acting and um, uh, convincing an audience of what was happening on screen um she is obviously very talented musically and that was always a delight but there was something about her delivery that felt a little um wooden and kind of yeah lacking a real emotion but i do feel like this cinderella did something interesting where, I mean, it attempted something. Like, Robert Friedman was the writer. And in a 2017 oral history of this, he was quoted saying, I was particularly sensitive to not tell a story of, oh, she's just waiting for the prince or the white knight or on the horse to come and take her away. I'm not saying that this is the most feminist movie you'll ever see, but it is compared to other versions. So do you feel like he is he's full of it or that there is some there is something a little bit more meatier to this Cinderella well I mean I read that I read that as well and I guess like in comparison maybe to (laughs) the 
like earlier Disney version yeah. or or I mean I didn't see the I think that they changed some of the songs and the story plot line from this between this and the Julie Andrews yeah. version originally so I can see how like yes she's not there's a little bit more to her than sort of the like beautiful woman just standing there like what me what could happen like she there's a little bit more grit to her but there's not anything super exciting right. and like is there is there a plot for her like is there a distinguishing feature that she has that's that's not in like the original you know what i mean like right. is she really into books or she's really like <laughs> you, want you the, know you want the beauty and the beast Emma Watson well, level well, of characterization no, no but i'm but i'm just saying like i don't even think that right. there's that in this like yeah. she does not have a distinct <laughs> like what are her personality traits i think the idea is that you look at the original disney animated version and she really is nobody like she yes is, how right. long is cinderella herself on the screen it's like her mouse do all the work her godmother does all the work she just cries and shows up and is right pretty. Mm-hmm. and so i think the attempt here is that there's a strength like she's she's not necessarily she's putting up with her with the bs her stepmother's giving her because she's like oh i promised my dad but that in itself is meant to be a strength it's sort of what um the 2015 cinderella attempts which is that her mother's dying wish was that she always have courage and be kind and so she's always 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 sacrificing herself to be kind but then realizes like she's neglected this courage part and has to like stand up for herself and is like blah 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 moving but yeah it's always interesting to watch a very anti-feminist story attempt to stretch itself into something more and i think Mm -hmm. what was interesting in this rewatch for me wasn't that and i don't i don't know if this was intentional at all i'm sure i'm coming in with my own like you know biased lens watching it now but seeing a black woman play cinderella and just kind of that like and having these you know bernadette peters this white woman kind of talk down to her and be like you will never mm-hmm. be worthy of anything yeah i can see how that complicates a narrative where you're you're like ouch like this is a person who represents the people who have been told like they're not worthy they're not they're not going to be deserving of anything more than what the the white person the person in power will mm-hmm. deign to hand them and i thought that was interesting watching it and i can see how how that layer of empowerment must have mattered then as it matters now to see Mm -hmm. a black woman not only take control of her narrative, but also be successful in, in getting a happy ending without having to go through real like suffering to earn it, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I think that was interesting and makes this sort of a, a story that could conceivably stand the test of time. Because even when this came out, people were pretty like, "Mm." like flipping about it like oh this isn't like a movie for the ages but it has continued to be newsworthy to the point that it being put on a streaming site had a whole press run behind it and so i think that oh yeah that's definitely an important uh facet to this (laughs) to this movie in this conversation because it clearly made an impact and i think it's interesting to kind of suss out why exactly well it's it's a very great movie for representation i think and it makes like a big step and that way. I also think that the relationship between Cinderella and the prince is yeah. another weak point in the just <laughs> story of Cinderella where right. they I can't remember if in the Disney version in the animated version like if they meet at oh, all no, before no, the <laughs> but yeah, there's like this they don't meet, they uh, they meet at the ball but it's mostly just that she's attractive. Yeah. There's not really anything there beside that. And in this version, yes, they kind of like meet at the marketplace and the prince has this storyline of like, I just want somebody who knows me for who I am, not because I'm a prince. Mm -hmm. And then uh, so there's that plot line that the two of them kind of have in common where they're like, I am more than my status or place. Yeah. But I did not feel like the two of them really (laughs) probably because they were the two most green actors and, you know, kind of had the least interesting parts of the script. But I never felt like, oh, I'm really like rooting for this combination of people where, I mean, Ellen Enchanted is a very different movie. It's doing a (laughs) lot of very different things, but I will say, and and the book, but I will say like in Ellen Enchanted, I think they do a very good job of the chemistry between the prince and Ella. And so that is one of the, you know, big 
cruxes of the movie, oh, like yeah. why Sexual it's so watchable and, and sure, why you're yeah. Yeah, <laughs> why you're like watching it is because these two are like, you know, there's a there's a lot of like repartee, you know, mm-hmm. they're sort of like antagonistic with each other. They're funny. There's more chemistry there. Where in this that just like wasn't on the right. that wasn't in the script well, and there's more time it. with a theatrical release this is an hour 25 it's a short yeah. movie mm-hmm. <laughs> well and, the, and yeah and they spend a lot of that time on like not great songs and <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of you know sequences a, some and... some weird like side plot yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. um something that truly horrifying that i discovered while oh, no. doing research for this is that my least favorite human being james corden is currently in the works on a version of Cinderella. Um, <laughs> did you find this out? No, like a remake of this musical. Um, I know. I think it's a new version. Okay. But so Kay Cannon, who is the person behind Pitch Perfect, is working oh. on some kind of Cinderella adaptation with James Corden, oh, where wow. like the two of them were worked on the story together, are producing it together, are sort of like co leads and just like let me run down this cast for you because this movie feels wild cinderella will be played by camilla cabello who is working on the music a lot of the music with with james corden on this the fairy godmother or fairy g is going to be played by billy porter (laughs) then the stepmother is adina menzel the King and Queen are Pierce Brosnan and Minnie Driver. And then John Mulaney, James Corden, <laughs> and Missy Elliott are also in the movie with sort of like nondescript roles. Interesting. Like, what is this film? And is it going to be a... Is it? I mean, it, it feels like a comedy, but like how much of a comedy? Is right. it like pitch perfect-y? I'm just very yeah. intrigued. And also James Corden, I'm sure, will be, you know, bringing <laughs> something to the stage. Yeah, uh... A Golden Globe uh, worthy role, probably. I hope they put him back in his cat suit with his <laughs> sausages. Yeah, maybe he plays the cat, Lucifer, from the Disney movie. And then oh. the other ones are the mice. <laughs> yes. You know, that would be a good role for him. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe he just plays one of the mice. Yeah, there's room for him. Um, Honestly, you know what? Now that I say that, I bet him and John Mulaney are the mice. That just mm-hmm. makes all the sense in the world, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like, I just, I wonder what it is about Cinderella that has made it the go-to, like, let's try our version of it. You know what I mean? Like, why not? Why didn't, like, Sleeping Beauty or, like, Beauty and the Beast take off in this way? Why isn't, like, the Swan Princess being remade over and over again? Was it the Disney movie itself? Was that, like, the... Was that the lightning rod moment that people were like, oh, I want to capture that magic again? Or was it before so, like i'm so curious i will say this. this which i don't i don't know if this answers your question or not but in college i was uh my senior year i did uh an honors project and so like most people didn't have to do it but there i think there were six of us who decided that we would you know mm-hmm. sign up and so it was a whole semester and everybody picked a topic and we had like an advisor and you had to spend the whole i don't know what like four months like writing this 60 page paper And there was a girl in the group who chose to do Cinderella and wrote her whole paper on all of these different like versions of Cinderella. And Cinderella is a tale that like separate of like there must be some kind of origin story somewhere in history. But but in all these different cultures around the world, they all have these weird different kind of versions of Cinderella where it's like. It's an Eskimo and they yeah. lose their fur boot or, you know, and some of them versions, everybody dies or they get their feet chopped off yeah. or, you know, some of my nice. It's all different kinds of versions of the same story. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if there's something just like naturally within the human psyche yeah. that is somehow attached to this story and, and finds like, it interesting. If you're pretty enough, you can have a good life. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I do think that people really love this version of like, you yeah. could be living a ter- have a terrible life, but there is still the possibility that either a fairy godmother or right. somebody can come along and change your life and yeah. show that you are a good person and that you can win out over these bad yeah. people just because of it. But honestly, I have no idea why Cinderella <laughs> is so popular because I find the story deathly dull and... I don't... I, love it. I just eat up all of these movies. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I feel like 
okay, we've had enough Cinderella's. Do we need two in production right now? Like, probably not, but I'll probably still watch both of them. Like, I <laughs> I yeah. can't resist. I don't know. I, like, for me, there are so many other stories that have, <laughs> like, I would watch 85 versions of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You know, like, <laughs> there's something, there's something in the, like, these kids go and they all have these sort of, like, fatal flaws and like i don't know there's well, there's bet. just something I mean, more there that out, i think what helps is that cinderella is such a non-story that there's so yes. much room to go yeah. your own way whereas something specific like charlie and the chocolate factory or or my desire for another jurassic park it's just like mm-hmm. well people will just judge it against that one thing whereas right this is just so well, easily yeah manipulated into whatever you want and cinderella's not in the public domain so it's like it's free to make so if you're looking around for a property it's like oh well anyone can make cinderella so i think that's also part of it yeah i don't i don't know it is it is an odd thing that we just keep coming back to it because there's a whole wikipedia page that's all of the different adaptions of cinderella and it's like there's operas and video games and films and tv shows and lots of tv shows do episodes that are sort of like based on cinderella (laughs) and there's books and all kinds of retelling excited to learn that amazon is streaming the slipper in the rose which is a version of cinderella from the 70s that we were also obsessed with as kids and it's very the music in that is just like above and beyond this one and it's just delightfully honest to its setting and like the I don't know, just like the pre-revolutionary era of of France. And it's all delightful. And that's the other thing. Why are Cinderella so often set in France? Is that a thing that happened I in think, the original? I think France is where the... I think it's a French story. Okay. <laughs> Cin- like, I think the version so of Cinderella that is mostly adapted yeah. is is a French version, yeah. but I don't, yeah, I don't know. I do think that that is also something that they could have done here that they didn't is they could have chosen a more specific like place or time <laughs> to put this in, which might've made it more interesting. Um, but it's really, it's sort of just like in like Cinderella world, you know? Right. Yeah. As one is, I mean, it was, it's, a, it was exciting to rewatch it. And I think there is just something delightful about the time capsule of it all with this, you know, the framing of it, the graphics of it, Whitney Houston's appearance in it. And, and just the bonkersness of these songs, the characters, the stepsisters, like all of it is just so delightfully weird that I just, I, it really was a, a, a joy to revisit it. My favorite part of the whole movie was the dance, the 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 ball. I thought that sequence oh. was so well done. I liked the, I liked the costume choices that they had, where yes. all of the women are in these like blue dresses, sort of, and then the sisters are in different colored dresses. I really liked the choreography, and I thought the comedy of it was really funny of how they're like speeding up. I also I love the stepsisters. I thought they were the funniest parts. And their sort of weird quirks of like the one is scratching everything and the other one is like doing this weird laugh I thought was entertaining. But I was very into this, like the fact that this was choreographed. And I thought, oh, it instantly reminded me of the scene in She's All That that I love, which is like the prom, but it's all, they're all doing a choreographed dance at the prom, which I just think is such a fun thing to do. And then I looked it up and the director of this is the same director who did that. So I was like, okay, this makes sense. I know somehow deep inside (laughs) me, I was like, oh yes, like choreographed dances at a social function. Like this is what I need in all movies. (laughs) Amazing. Well, I'm glad you got to finally watch this. I feel like it, it's an interesting chapter in all these stars as like IMDb um, mm-hmm. pages. It was meant to, I mean, it was, it was good. And I think what's interesting is Whitney Houston really loved being a part of this and she would like reference it, but it was never released as a soundtrack because they were competing, um, oh. they were competing record producers who, who thought it would mess with Brandy's quote unquote urban image. And so, they just have never been able to battle it out. And so you can't stream this on Spotify or anything. Even now you can't? Yeah, no, it's Interesting. not. It's never been released as a 
as oh. a CD, as a production. You know, so honestly, maybe that's for the best. The music wasn't that great. <laughs> I don't know. You might wake up tomorrow and just have falling in love with love is falling for uh, You're singing this now and I still don't recognize this song. <laughs> like I have been listening to all weekend of this song called UK Hun that was on the <laughs> UK version of RuPaul's Drag Race that is truly the most like catchiest mind-wormy <laughs> song that has ever been invented and I've probably played it at least 80 times. It it will be mm-hmm. my Spotify song of the year. I'm making this prediction now <laughs> and none of these songs were competing with that. I'm sad to say. That's okay. I wouldn't have expected any of them to. Shall we get into the lightning round? Yes. Um, you mentioned the weird ticks that these stepsisters have when nervous. Mm-hmm. What would yours be? Oh, what's my weird tick when yeah. I get nervous? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like when I get nervous for <laughs> like, things. I've never been nervous in my life. No, I do. I do get nervous, but I feel like I purposefully sort of like try to when I'm nervous I try to I try to trick myself into thinking I'm not nervous like that's <laughs> that's what I do and so I don't I don't really know I will say that I yawn a lot I guess when mm. I'm sort of nervous which mm. I think is part of like the mind tricking me into thinking I'm not nervous that I sort of yawn <laughs> which like, is a real it. thing I looked that up online <laughs> once and it is so maybe that's what it would be I don't know yeah I just I think I I play with my hair a lot and so I think my hands would try and stay busy by just I feel like that more I feel like you could also be like a laugher like you laugh oh, yeah. a lot I'm normally. A Do you laugh more when you are nervous? I guess I don't know if it's more. It's just that it doesn't call for it. You know what I yes. mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so that's probably the the telltale sign. Um, if I'm laughing at, at some truly tragic news and it's just like, oh, it's it's just nerves. I'm just anxious. I'm sorry. You're like you're like Claire in Modern Family who smiles whenever she gives bad news. I guess so. Yeah, I I haven't seen that enough to. No Ugh, reference, but modern family. <laughs> so fun. Love it. Um, okay. My question that I texted you about ahead of time, because okay, yeah. I wanted you to think about your answers is, okay, if you were to cast a version of this and it has to be musicians yes. in all of the roles, it's a musical, mm-hmm. hopefully not this music, but some kind of musical version of Cinderella. Who are you casting as all of the parts? Okay. I thought a lot about this. Okay. Um, so I think as my Cinderella, I would want to do something similar where I give someone their their chance to break out. So I thought Olivia Rodrigo of recent Driver's License fame. Oh, okay. I think this could be her chance to prove she's more than a high school musical, musical, the series, the musical, the Disney uh-huh. musical mm-hmm. role. And then as Prince, I was like, I decided on Jordan Fisher, who's a Broadway star. I don't oh, know if that's okay. cheating. I, no, I like him. He's He replaced um, Ben Platt in Dear Evan Hansen. And, um, was most recently seen in the second to all the boys, uh, not in a singing role, but mm-hmm. he's very cute and sweet. And then I saw him on Hamilton and he was amazing. Oh, well, good. So this is already off to a good start because it's mm-hmm. just going to get better. I think the stepmother, I want Jennifer Lopez. Um, okay. I think she'd bring a deliciousness see that. to that. Mm-hmm. And then I want to do a twist. And for the stepsisters, I want to make it step siblings and I want it to be Camila Cabello and Sean Mendes. <laughs> Sean Mendes would be so bad. (laughs) Would be so bad, but it'd be so funny. Yeah. So they'll be there singing about why can't a fella ever once prefer uh, someone like me. And then on the royalty front, I think um, Britney Spears should come in as the queen. Okay. And I think Mr. Worldwide Pitbull can be standing (laughs) in the background (laughs) as the king. Uh, and then for um, the the sort of servant, the help, I thought uh, Aquafina could maybe have some fun oh, energy. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And finally, for the finale, the f- very godmother of it all, I would love to see Lizzo just come in oh, there. Oh, she would be good. This fun. is a good cast. Thank now you. I'm sort of jealous because I feel like it might be better than mine. And I was <laughs> yes. planning on mine being really good. Okay. Um Okay, so for the role of Cinderella, I am going with her, like the H E R, yeah, I who I feel like that, similar, yeah. like very like young, up and coming. She's very soulful, yeah. her voice. So I feel yeah. like that would be really a good. Yeah. <laughs> for Prince Charming, I'm going with Harry Styles, which I feel like is an mm-hmm. obvious pick, mm-hmm. but could be fun. And I think the two of them could have some like fun interactions, yeah. and their voices would probably work together. Um, 
as the stepsisters, I also did step siblings, and I went with uh, Carly Rae Jepsen and Troy Sivan. Oh, I feel like they would be fun. a fun kind of like poppy duo yes. for the stepsisters. And then truly, I think my best piece of casting is the stepmother. I want Nicki Minaj. Mm, yeah, that'd be good. She was on the shortlist for something in here, but I couldn't place. I don't her. know if you saw that truly horrific film uh, with Cameron Diaz and. Who else was in it? Um, and it was like one guy was dating three different women. And I don't know. Oh, <laughs> what was it called? It might have been called. No, the other woman, the other it, like Leslie Mann was in it. But oh, anyways, no Nicki Minaj is in it as sort of like an assistant or whatever. And I feel like she's actually funny as an actress. I also oh. saw her in the third barbershop movie, which oh, yeah. this is a whole nother story. But my dad like <laughs> accidentally bought the third barbershop movie at Walmart. And we'd never seen the first two, but we watched it on Thanksgiving because we'd like had it and yeah, he had just course. purchased it. You have to. And she was good in that. So anyways, I want her as a stepmom. I want Beyonce as the fairy godmother because how could you not have Beyonce? Mm-hmm. And then for the king and queen, I was trying to think of like a fun pairing and I was going like slightly older, I guess, yeah. than <laughs> your group of people. So I went with Stevie Wonder and Stevie Nicks. The oh, two Stevies wow. is the king and queen. Yeah, so, that's interesting. And I, didn't, I didn't cast somebody as the pretty, sort of weird servant. whitewashing but. of this of the Cinderella. <laughs> I mean, we got her and Nicki Minaj and Beyonce and you're Stevie right, Wonder. Right. <laughs> and LGBTQ icon Troy Sivan. You're so, right. You're right. There's you know. representation. Yeah. I shouldn't have questioned. Try to paint me in a bad light yeah. here, Shelby. <laughs> my gosh. No, that's great. Um, the My other question was, um, you have three icons here, Bernadette, Whitney, and Whoopi. So, kiss, Mary kill. Oh, I mean, we're killing Bernadette Peters. I, I don't, I, she, I, I, I'm sorry to say that I just don't have that much affection for her. I thought she was just so talented no, in this. No, I mean, I think she probably is the most talented as far as like musical theater goes of yeah. these three people. But I just, like, what do I know Bernadette Peters from? <laughs> like this, you know, like I don't. Yeah. I'm not going to kill Whoopi Goldberg, who I love and is, You're you know, right. sister act. Okay. And so well, then, I'm who, not going to kill Whitney Houston. To, to I think I'm going to marry, I'm going to marry Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, okay. Because I think I like She'd her the fun. best. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. I would love to live my life with Whoopi yeah. Goldberg. And then I, yeah, I'm killing Bernadette Peters. So then that yeah. leaves Whitney Houston as the kiss. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I think I'd swap out Whitney and Whoopi, but, okay. but you're right. But Bernadette. you're also killing Bernadette <laughs> Peters. <laughs> After you were so quick to judge me for killing her. (laughs) I just want to stand up for her first. But yeah, I mean, you have to know your place. What is the best fairy tale movie? Of all time, just across the board. Yes, just of all fairy tales. I think I would choose Ever After. I really love that movie. Is that what you mean? Or does it have to be like the original? No, 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 no. I think that works. Okay. I think it's definitely Ever After for me. I was really thinking about this and I was sort of like Googling around and trying to figure out if I did think that there was something better. But I honestly think that my favorite fairy tale movies are the Shrek movies. I think that they're so good and so All funny. Of them? I mean, one and two particularly. I guess I three is fine, four not so much. There's but four? one oh, I wow. think that there might be more than I four. Think I've honestly. only seen two. There's so the first, the first, I, I mean, the, first yeah. the first one's where they have to go and get Princess Fiona. The second one is where Shrek turns back into a human, like mm-hmm. or turns into a human based, because Prince of the fairy godmother right? and Prince Charming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The third one is the one with Merlin and Justin Timberlake is no. in it. And then that. I think the fourth one there's like is there's like a baby. It's the babies <laughs> one. They have like a bunch of babies. I would have put money on there only being three. I remember the babies one, but I didn't know there was one in between. Okay. I'm trying to, I'm on Wikipedia. There has to be an entry for like Shrek, the Shrek cinematic universe, right? <laughs> that has to be a thing. Yeah. Okay. Shrek, Shrek the third, Shrek forever after oh. along with two holiday specials. And then there's also the Puss in Boots movie. <laughs> 
So. Yeah, I think the first one I'll allow, but I I think you downgrade your vote when you lump them all together. You know? Well, here's the second one I think is on par with the first one. I think the oh, first wow. two are both very, very strong. And so I wanted to lump the two of them okay. together. I okay. think after that we get weaker. I see. Um, yeah. There's apparently a fifth Shrek movie that is in the works. And there's also another Puss in Boots Boots movie that's in the works. Oh, congrats Um, to you. Your favorite fairy tale lives on. The scene where... The scene where a fairy godmother sings I Need a Hero on the piano while, like, they're storming the... That's Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. But the rest of the movie, I remember thinking, whatever. I mean, okay. Agree to disagree. (laughs) But, but maybe we'll revisit that on our next throwback episode. I think the second one years. is also the like the one where she pulls up to the fast food chain and she's like, my diet is ruined. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's also in the second one. <laughs> the second one is great because it it blows out all of the like fairy tale world but then on our world kind of thing you know it's like the fairy tale fast food chain or whatever all of that stuff is in the second one which i think is really fun the world building it really runs it out for you yeah Mm -hmm. that makes sense well i'm uh i'm sure someone will rewatch that based on your recommendation so as they should i wonder if that's on well, it's not Netflix Disney. or someplace. Yeah, it's DreamWorks. So mm-hmm. that's who is DreamWorks? Is that Sony? I, have no idea. I, I think thought they maybe. just died in the water. <laughs> no, but it's like who owns though? Like what studio right. owns DreamWorks? It has to be somebody. I don't know. Okay. Anyways, any more questions? No. 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 That was perfect. Okay. Well, this was great. What? Oh, next week I think we're talking about Nomadland, which. Mm. Shelby didn't really want to do, but because it's Francis <laughs> McDormand. I have had multiple people, though, now tell me, oh, no, man, land. I hated three billboards. And I'm like, I really? also hated three billboards. I hated that movie. Yeah. But I think the only thing in that is carrying over is that it's Francis McDormand <laughs> sort of in like a like a jumpsuit kind of thing. Yeah. I don't think that. Is not the like same it, energy? No, I don't think it's the same energy. I don't know. Okay, I, well, but multiple people hard, have said yeah. this, so maybe, it, so maybe I will watch it and be like, "Yes, this is three billboards, two, four billboards Please, outside no. Ebbing, Missouri," and will eat my words. But I'm excited to see it. It's been getting a lot of like very good buzz, and it's by a female okay. director. So okay, I'll watch it. It's not by Martin McDonough, right. who also directed in bruges which was a movie i watched in college and liked and then i went back and watched it after three billboards and i was like oh this is problematic and also it's problematic (laughs) in all of the same ways that three billboards is like there's lots of little people jokes in both of them and i was like (laughs) what is it with this man that's interesting uh coming up on our next episode yes um yeah Anyways, so yes, uh, join us next week. In the meantime, follow us on social media. We're at PSU Wrong. Send us an email at PSURong at gmail.com. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And tag um, us in your stories. Tag us in your stories on Instagram if you liked this episode and have comments about Shrek or... <laughs> or my you superior know, cast for the remake. Coming your way. I don't know, because yours didn't have Beyonce in it. And like, honestly... Yeah, but I knew yours would. And so I was like, whatever. <laughs> I, yours didn't have Taylor Swift. Well, because I love Taylor for who Taylor is. And I don't. She's such a good actress, <laughs> though. She's Anyways, so good. Let's uh, wrap this up. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs>